you like Grant Fisher, I told him I'd give this shout out, but he just came out with a new podcast called The Half Step Pod. He's doing it with a former teammate of his, Connor Lane, and a really good listen behind the scenes action of what it's like to be a professional. another episode of the half step pod i am your host connor lane and across from me co-host grant fisher grant how are you man doing great um been having some some nice time back in uh, oregon it's actually sunny right now so uh welcome change but um yeah man life is good um i know you guys are just kind of finishing up spring break so probably back to the grind soon for you too we've kind of had a similar uh little down period in training so um yeah, life is good, man. Been a relaxing week for us on campus, but obviously still training. Uh, about to get into the thick of outdoor season. Uh, it's it's nice to hear it's sunny in Portland. How are you enjoying that extra oxygen as well down here at sea level? Again? <laughs> Dude, that's always nice. You know, camp is always really fun because you're just, um, you know, you're in the mountains. You're just with the guys. Um, and, like, you have a very intent purpose of being up there. Like, it's very locked in. It's very dialed. Um and, you know, you have uh, a goal that you're looking at or multiple goals that, that you're looking to achieve. And um, you kind of just get this tunnel vision when you're at camp. So you kind of have to cycle that. You know, it's not sustainable to be that way all year long. So nice to be back at sea level. You know, the easy runs are a little easier down here. You have a little more freedom. Just, you know, you have your own stuff. You're not living out of a suitcase anymore. So um, we don't spend much time here, but technically this is home. Um, so it's, it's good to be home for a little bit. So does it feel like home? This is kind of the question. I assume the altitude doesn't feel like home. Do you have a home? Are we, are we sure <laughs> about your location? Home? Yeah. Don't let me, don't make me get in my chest. I, 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 uh, I would say this is home. Yeah. I mean, home, home will always be like where my parents are. Um, but it's where the yeah, heart is, I, you know, when we're, yeah, where the heart is. Um, but when we're at, at altitude, like, the, the conversation is like, well, when are we going home? Like, what time are you, what, when's your flight home, basically? So um, we do consider this home. I think it's, it feels more homely to somebody with like a wife or a husband or kids that, that you know, are on the team. But um, I have none of those. So. You have roommates. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have roommates. So back back to the, uh, the old house. So, um, yeah, I, I'd say it's become home. Well, hey, that's good to hear. I'm, I'm glad that you do have a place in your head in addition to your parents that you can identify yeah. as home. I'd say with regards to altitude camp and accomplishing the goals, the very strict goals you had set out for yourself, I'd say that was quite the success um, with the indoor AR and then the outdoor AR in the 10K. Just in case anyone hasn't listened to the pod the last couple of weeks, feel free to check that out. Uh, another person who I say had quite the successful altitude camp translating over to races was our guest last week, Elise Cranny, I know you got a chance to listen to the episode, um, was wondering if you had any thoughts on the things that she said. A lot of it kind of resembles your own mentality, especially about racing and trying to compete at, at the highest level now and trying to make those strides. So interested to hear if you listened to the app, if you had any thoughts um, on what she talked about and wanted to kind of expound on. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I gave it a listen. I actually listened to it again uh, this morning um getting those downloads up thank you you know yeah yeah just to pump our numbers up artificially um 
and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, Elise is a very thoughtful person that, um, I, you know, I, I see a lot of similarities like in, in our like running careers, um, where, you know, she had a lot of success in high school. Um, I, I had similar stuff going on. We both went to Stanford. Um, while, while training there, we had the same coach and, um, you know, we had some successes. Uh, we had a lot of like seconds and thirds, um, in a lot of big time races and then, you know, made the jump professionally, kind of jumped into the deep end and struggled a little bit our first year, really tried to transition as best we could. And, um, now we're kind of, uh, simultaneously, uh, seeing a lot of reward for some of those, uh, those hard days. So, um, it was really cool to see or hear her perspective. Um, you know, we talk about stuff like usually not that deep of a level, um, as you guys did. I think you got a, you, you know how to get, get a lot out of people, you know, you get them to give, uh, get, put their heart out there. So, um, it, it was good, man. I, a lot of the things she said about mindset and mentality and, um, you know, learning, uh, I, uh, those really resonated with me. And I feel like as a, you know, another professional, like I can learn things from Elise and, um, I hope that whatever level anyone is that's listening could learn something from that interview. Because I, I think there are a lot of good pieces of advice that, that can be applied to pretty much anybody. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And yeah, it is. I am glad to hear that you also got something <laughs> out of it. I don't normally recommend the podcast to my friends because I, you know, they fairly would make fun of me for it. And that's all totally fine. But after this one, I went around to a few kids on the team and I was like, yo, like not even based on like it being my pod. I thought that some of the stuff Elise had to say about mentality, about like taking a specific, you know, approach to get to where she wanted to be at and keeping that in her mind as a constant reminder. Some of the other stuff about her race mentality um, and drawing strength from just who she is and the way she works as opposed to like smashing a workout or how her last race went. I, I recommended listening to that part uh, for quite a few of my teammates here at Stanford. And, you know, and I was really glad to hear it myself just because uh, it's refreshing when you, when you see someone who's having the success she's having, um, you know, similar level to yours. And I know you have a similar mindset. It's refreshing to see someone who is able to kind of draw strength from like who they are and the way that they work rather than like smashing a certain workout and enabling it she's very internally confident right now which is which is really awesome to see and it's difficult to sometimes get to that point but uh, i do think that in her case it's leading to the most success it's been it's been awesome to see the other thing i'm kind of curious about because this is very similar to your situation is look like maybe not like definitively like the best in the usa over 5k or 10k but like pretty close and and kind of maybe there's going to start to be an expectation that you should be winning trials races if there's not already. Um, and, and certainly making teams or whatever. But I feel like in your own head, we've talked about this sometimes offline, occasionally online, there's still ultimate goals that are above simply reaching that level. Right. And I know it's sometimes not the thing that you love talking about the most, right. Because it kind of amps you just from the outset with, uh, with, Oh yeah, I'm not even satisfied with this level, but something that was really cool to hear at least talk about was, you know, running close to 30 flat in the 10K and being pumped, but still being like, yo, I, I need to be here because the best in the world are running low 29. And I'm not simply satisfied with, you know, American records or, or being close to it or North American records. And I was wondering where your mindset falls on that similar, or if it's on a similar line to her with regards to, um, 
how you're viewing kind of these next few years here and really just your day-to-day grind if, if you're kind of thinking about you know if you're thinking about metals or if you're just if you're just kind of taking it one day at a time um yeah man i i think one thing elise said that was was um was a great piece of advice was just intentionality in training and stuff um she spoke about like you know go attack each day with a purpose and have a larger goal in mind um you know not something that's going to all consume you but um kind of in the back of your mind like why am i doing this what is my ultimate goal and um over the course of the i guess two and a half years i've been on the team i have seen like the overall mentality of the team shift um where people are that thing in the back of your mind has has started to shift for most people from um like getting on a team to i want to be in a final um and it's starting to shift to like i want a medal um and we've had people pave the way for us uh on the team before and uh show us what's possible um and it, it kind of brings me back there was this workout we did um before the olympics we were in salt lake city and it was super windy and stormy and we were going to work out outside um but because it, the weather was so bad we worked out inside at uh this speed skating rink uh in salt lake city the one i believe it was knows? used i believe it was used in 2002 for the uh, winter olympics for like speed skating and stuff so speed skating track, short track and long track on the inside. And then there's like a three, four lane track on the outside of that. Um, I think it was, I can't remember exactly how big it was. Maybe like 350 meters. It was a pretty, pretty big indoor track. Um, and Jerry gave us this really, really hard workout. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was right now. It might've been like 12, eight, four, and then a 12, eight, four, and then a 12 at the end. Um, and I think we ran like 301 for the 12 at the end, which at 5,000 feet is really, really nice to end, end a workout with. Anyway, halfway through the workout, we're in our rest and we're really tired. You know, you have those things in your mind thinking like, I don't know if I can finish this. This is pretty hard. And some of the guys were talking amongst ourselves. Like I'm speaking with, uh, I think I was standing there with like Mo and Mark and Woody and we're like, man, this is, this is insanity. Like the, this workout's too hard. And uh, I remember Jerry coming up to us and going, uh, I thought you guys wanted medals. And uh, we all kind of stopped. Uh, and then he just walked away. And we were like, oh, man, like, I mean, he's right. Like, what we ultimately want is is a medal. And uh, I guess at that point, I wasn't really thinking of myself as like someone that could get a medal. Um, but it showed how our coach was thinking. Um, and since that comment, uh, Mo has gotten a medal. Mark just got a medal. So two of the four people there got medals after that. So, um, I feel like that's the way the team is starting to shift. You know, Mark came away with a medal this past weekend and that was big. I mean, I was inspired by that. Like I train with that guy all the time, um, where we, we live together. Uh, we, you know, we do most, most of our easy runs together. We do all of our long runs, all of our workouts. Um, I know how he trains and he came away with a medal this past weekend. Uh, Mo came away with a silver over the summer. Um, it really elevates your mindset into something like maybe the thing in the back of my mind, um, maybe I should dream a little bigger. Um, 
And of course, there's necessary steps to get to the starting line uh, to even try to chase those dreams. You know, you, there's the U.S. team is incredibly hard to make. That's not something I want to overlook. Making a final is incredibly hard to do. That's not something I want to overlook. Um, and, you know, the world is filled with many talented, hardworking people uh, that I want to beat. And, um, you know, I'm going to have to go through some some very, very, very good athletes to, to try to win a medal. But um, I don't know. I, I think that, yeah, that that um, that telescope goal has, has changed a little bit. Um, and I think, like, Gabriella, for example, this past weekend, I think was a little disappointed with her result. Um, fourth place at World Indoors, just one place off of a medal. And, you know, disappointed with a fourth. I think that shows where our team is heading, um, where that mindset is heading. And it's contagious. Um, more people you have thinking like that, talking like that, uh, you know, you, you start to think, you know, maybe I can do that too. So, um, yeah, I, I really liked Elisa's comments. And it seems like her mindset has shifted a lot in the past year as well. Uh, as mine has. Um, so it's been, uh, it was cool to, to hear your comments on it. Yeah, maybe instead of a telescopic goal now of, of you looking at a global medal, you can see it with the naked eye at the very least. <laughs> um, I yeah, just to, yeah, just to, just to clear some stuff, uh, Mark was third this past weekend in the uh, 3K and Gabriella was fourth in the women's 3K at World Indoors, which was in Serbia. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah okay, Belgrade. Yep. Um, which was, yeah, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be awesome. I had a question going off of that just cause you know, something that I feel like has happened to Bowerman and not just Bowerman, but a lot of good American running groups, like American based running groups in the last 10 or so years has been a transition to really incorporating more international athletes. Um, something that I feel like is kind of a, maybe not unspoken, maybe it is spoken rules that you don't want to have too many athletes in the same event running for the same country on a team or at least companies sometimes don't because that you know if there's only three spots on an on an olympic team in a specific event it's it's sometimes hard to carry more than three athletes who are specializing in a certain in a certain event now it's obviously possible and i think bowerman's done that before and it hasn't really posed a huge problem but i wonder if especially going back a few years right i mean i mean mo's kind of been there since the beginning but like does having international athletes who there, you know, I talked to Elise a little bit about this. We talked about Mo, their goals throughout the entire year, not really even concerning their country trials and looking globally on the global stage. You know, people like Mark Scott, who the British team is definitely hard to make, but, if, you know, at this point has kind of locked himself into one of those spots as long as he has a decent start to his year. Does having those guys in the room with you, you know, hammering this work with you and they're looking at the global finals all the time, does that elevate your game as well? I mean, and not maybe not so much now. Maybe you're already there now, having run the American record in the 10K, but especially earlier on, you know, you're in a conversation. These guys are probably always talking about that global level and, uh, and getting well beyond their like, trials at their respective countries. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic um, because the way that they put together a season is different than the way that an American would put together their season because... Like you mentioned, you have to you have to peak somewhat, uh, unless you're really really good. Uh, you have to peak for the U.S. champs. If you're not ready to go and you know tuned up for U.S. champs, you're not going to make a team. It, these teams are really hard to make. 
So you do kind of have to do a double peak in the summer. Whereas if you have a more locked in spot, um, you know, Mo, for example, you know, he, he often, he sometimes will just be even selected without even going and racing at Canadian champs. That's true. So he doesn't even have to concern himself with even traveling there and racing. Um, so he would have more opportunities to do more of a diamond league circuit, um, and, and then do one massive peak for whatever the global championship is that year. Um, Americans have it a little different. Um, so, you know, we have to operate within the schedule that we're given, um, and knowing what our big goals are, knowing what, um, everyone's various sponsors want them to do, um, you know, develop a season around that. But, uh, I enjoy training with all the international crew. Um, it's great. I mean, any more guys you can add to add around you that are really quality athletes, nice people that, uh, that'll elevate your game too. So, um, I'm all for it. Uh, and it's, it's been good, but yeah, the season is set up just slightly differently. Um, and I wouldn't say it's that significant, but it is slight. Um, Going off of one of your points about, you know, I'd say majority of our team are American, so I'll speak only on the American team, but we have three slots um, for a global championship team. And so, like you said, if you have four guys in the men's 5K, you know, one person at minimum is going to walk away disappointed. Um, I mean, even then, like, it's important to think that you know, there's not just Bowerman athletes in this race. There's lots of good people in the U.S. But, um, yeah, I know certain groups like to limit the amount of people they have fighting for spots against each other um, because that is ultimately what our sport is currently defined as. It's global championships, and you have to make these teams to do that. Um, so, yeah, it, it runs into situations where we have, uh, in the past, we've had five Bowerman women in the women's 5k at us champs and it's like there are only three slots and it's not it's not a guarantee that all of those go to Bowerman athletes either yeah, so not. um there's going to be disappointment somewhere like not everyone can achieve that goal um which is a little strange because you need the people around you you need those high level athletes to to be your best they they bring the best out of you they elevate you to a level that you couldn't get on your own but at the end of the day, you have to race each other. And um, I think everyone envisions themselves, uh, you know, making the team. Uh, but realistically, that can't all happen simultaneously. So um, it's an interesting dynamic. You, you know, you need each other for sure. Um, but at some point, you will compete each other against each other. Um, so it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic. Well, yeah, this this kind of that brings up maybe an overall point I wanted to talk about with World Indoors this past weekend. But but kind of before getting all the way into that, how did you feel? You know, you you said prideful, I guess, or you said like inspired by Mark's performance in the three K. Did you want to get out there? I mean, like like watching watching <laughs> the races this past weekend. We talked a few weeks ago about your decision to do the ten K over the U.S. trials, but and we can we will talk more about that as well. But just straight up watching that race, like were you were you feeling like man, I, I wish I was out there with, you know, eight hundred to go. I wish I was in that pack. Yeah, man, that's a good point. Yeah, I had a little bit of FOMO. Um, yeah, man, it would have been fun, especially seeing how well Mark did. I was like, 
man, imagine if we had a few Bowerman boys in there. And what was interesting is talking to Mark, um, you know, a week ago, two weeks ago, he was saying the same thing about our 10K. He was saying, man, I had FOMO watching you guys. FOMO for if people don't. Mm, you must define. I don't know the age of our audience, but fear of missing out. It's basically like, uh, I don't know, how would you describe it? To, like your parents or uh, I mean yeah it's 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 what you get when like your friends are doing something fun and you're not included except in this context yeah. it's about racing on the global stage <laughs> exactly yeah so uh yeah I was talking with Mark and he's like man I wish I could have been in that 10k um you know you guys ripped it I think I could have hit a really nice one and you know I, I think Mark could have been right there with uh with Mo and I and had a, a great race he's in great fitness uh, as you guys saw this past weekend um yeah, and then it's interesting, you know, a few weeks later, he races at World Indoors. I'm like, man, that looked fun, you know, duking it out over the last 200. Um, you know, he had so much traffic he had to navigate through and uh, just showed great tactics, great uh, just awareness, great body control, just moving through the field and uh, comes away with his first global medal. Um, man, it, it would have been fun to be out there with him. Um, but, you know... Uh, like like we said you know everyone's season is mapped out slightly differently and the things that are best for you might not be different for the guy next to you or might not be different for someone not on your team that uh you know has the same goal but a different path to get there um yeah so i i did feel a, a little like urge to get out there and race when i when i watched that i i had to watch the race twice um I watched it once, then I was like, man, did that really happen? So I, I like hit that rewind and, and watched again. So very, very stoked for Mark. Um, it, it felt like watching that race, it felt like, you know, there are some times where you look back on things in your life, like not defining moments, but things where you took massive steps forward um, and you can like boil them down to one moment. And I mean, your first global medal, like I'm sure he'll look back on that one and be like, man, that was really a, a, a massive step for me, a massive leap to, uh, in, in my mindset, in my status as a, as an elite pro, um, into like, you know, now he's in the medalist category. That's uh, that's a whole different level. So, um, yeah, it, you know, world indoors. Yeah. We opted not to do it. We discussed it for a little bit on a, a prior episode, but, um, and, and I think I said then, like, I would have loved to have been able to do both. Um, it's just the schedule is tight this year. It, it's really, really tight with that. The U.S. Championship 10K being at the end of May, that just really compresses things. So um, that would be something that Mark wouldn't have to worry about uh, as a British athlete, um, getting, getting us tuned up for that. Um, he'll still have to qualify to make the team, but um, slightly different constraints that he's operating under. Yeah, no, I mean, I think all of that is like really gets down to the point of it. I, you know, that that indoor three K field that Mark ran against was was really stacked. You know, there's no doubt about that. With Brega winning the race, um, I I don't really know how to, but you know, it it is no secret that World Indoors is not obviously the World Championships, um, or like you know, like the way that like Eugene will be um, in outdoor and or like an Olympic level competition, but it is a super high quality competition. I honestly felt like watching it this past weekend, it was way underrated, at least from my social media feeds and the stuff I was saying compared to like the level of competition that was there. 
but it occupies an interesting place. I mean, it hasn't happened since 2018 due to the pandemic. And then additionally, there's like, what is world indoors? You know, like a lot of these newer competitions, you know, which the outdoor world championships are still kind of at least a lot newer than the Olympics. Um, maybe don't have the clout or the, the notoriety of really representing like that global competition. I wonder, you know, you talked about, obviously you made a choice not to do the American trials and try to qualify for this team because you guys needed to crack a good 10 K early on in your season. And that that constraint was put on a couple things. It was your only chance to go for that super fast time, the American record, which you hit. And it also, you know, for a lot of your teammates who didn't have the 10K standard yet or something like that, that's the opportunity to hit that standard because the 10K trials have gotten moved up so much to the end of May. So obviously those constraints are there. But I was kind of looking at it as if we want, if we regarded world indoors as the same quality as like, outdoor world championships or the Olympics, then it wouldn't really be a choice that you would do it. You know, like like all these constraints come in because of the way that the sport is currently structured or like the lack of emphasis. You know, there was also a lot of talk about like Cole Hawker not going in the 1500 um, and the 3k. Like I, you know, and he, he decided to run um, a 5k down here at Stanford last weekend. I, I wonder if you have any thoughts about like, I guess that that structure and what world indoor means because it was a super high quality meet and Mark coming in third in that field is legit and it's a legit global medal, but it also isn't really regarded like maybe outdoor or, or the Olympics at this time. I just, I wonder if you had any thoughts on like the situation present there. I know you'd have loved to run world indoor, but obviously you guys had kind of different goals. And when we say different, it also is just like those goals were based around really the most important part of this year, which is world outdoor championships. Um, and by extension, making the team at trials in the end of May. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I guess to, to map things out, if anyone's unfamiliar with general track seasons, um, for professionals, you, you have your biggest meet of the year in the summer. It's always either the Olympic games or the world championships. Uh, occasionally there's an off year where there's no championship, but, I don't think we have an off year until 2026. Um, so that's always the biggest meet and your bis- biggest exposure from a sponsor perspective. So all of our sponsors care about us getting on these these global championship teams and performing well there and making the brand look good, basically. Um, because that's when you're going to have the most eyeballs on you. And, you know, my sponsor, like, I, they want me in a swoosh. They want the swoosh, uh, you know, on the podium. Um, they, they don't feel as strongly and our incentives aren't as great for world indoors. Um, and so I think it's kind of been, um, not a self-fulfilling prophecy, but like when you're not incentivized to do something, it becomes like, I guess, less prestigious in people's minds. Like I'm sure Mark would rather have an outdoor medal than an indoor medal. But I mean, obviously, he'd rather have an indoor medal than no medal. Than no medal. <laughs> um, so, yeah. not trying to like discredit that at all. No, uh, not it at all. It was a very legit uh, field that he raced against. So, um, you know, it's interesting. I I think that track as a whole just lacks cohesiveness. Definitely. For example, definitely. You know, the NCAA athletes weren't really able to compete at the U.S. Champs and qualify for World Indoors. You have guys like Randolph Ross, who, you know 
you could make a strong argument, could have potentially won gold uh, at the World Championship. Um, you know, and and he's not present because uh, the NCAA season was different. Um, I'm not saying World Athletics has to, you know, build their season around the NCAA season, but um, you know, there there are some athletes that just weren't able to to do both. And on occasion, the best athletes in the world or like medal favorites aren't able to do it um, without even really, like, it's not even their decision, um, like stuff like that um yeah yeah well yeah it's not even like that and i i hate the idea of um being like oh like water like the world athletics sorry that was the dopey agency but just general world athletics should cater to like making sure ncaa athletes can go or the ncaa should cater to this it's just like you would hope that structurally there is a cohesiveness to the to the idea of the season that like well of course you wouldn't schedule ncaa's for like one weekend off of when the the u.s indoor trials would be because we would value world indoor higher right like it's it's not so much of a we should we should ask for it to be structured this way so it works what you would just hope for would be a model that kind of just just is because of the incentives around it it's like hey there's a huge desire to make indoors so ncas gets moved or the u.s trials gets moved or something along those lines and then similarly for you like there's a lot of incentive around the swoosh on an american record right in the 10k and uh it's it's really it's records and to a much greater extent it's global medals right and being on the podium so and and truthfully as of right now i i do feel like yeah that that business emphasis is on outdoor global medals right that's where it is and i think that you're exactly right mark raced an incredible field and and i agree with you it's certainly your first global medal on any level that's that's a huge step forward but yeah, he would, I'm sure he would trade it, you know, for, for an outdoor or an Olympic medal. So yeah, it, it brings up that interesting thing. I just, you know, it's, it's easy to sit here and be like, I wish that it was more cohesive when, you know, track and field has a whole host of not maybe problems is, is too strong of a word, but certainly like inconsistencies or, or areas to, I feel like we could really improve that cohesiveness to, to just kind of like yell pie in the sky. Like, we, Oh, we, we should have NCAs on a different weekend and indoor on a different weekend. And, you know, Grant can go run it and, and whatever. Um, but right now, yeah, it, it puts you in a tough spot because I think the last thing that we should be doing is restricting like track athletes abilities to like get on a global stage. And I know that that's not being restricted. Like you're making a choice, but I don't know. I mean, there's only so many important races on a year. We think we could like space it out in some capacity. It's just, I guess because of these May, this May 10 K trials, it kind of backed everything else up. But at the same time, those 10 K trials themselves are a unique opportunity, right? Because they're a month before the rest of the meet and they, they give us the chance to have the best 10 K team and the best 5 K team at Eugene for, for worlds. So yeah, it's a, there's a lot of caveats to it. I haven't thought fully enough about like, how do you make a change and also the business models? Cause it's not like track and field is raking in just millions and millions of dollars, hands over fist in like ad revenue right now or uh, in like TV deals. So yeah, it's certainly a relatively even distribution of, of the wealth that they do bring in with like rights deals or sponsorships. So yeah, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting thing. I, I wish I had a more holistic take on, on ways to kind of fix it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about getting eyeballs on the sport. Uh, and I don't even know was was what was um, indoors world indoors broadcast on? Was it NBC or was it like a? Uh, I believe it was NBC and Peacock. Um, okay. 
for most of it, you needed a Peacock subscription, but I was just using a VPN so I could, uh, you should I was on German servers watching on a VPN. You shouldn't. Because uh, World Athletics, yeah, yeah. He downloaded yeah. Peacock. No, fully legal, don't, don't, yeah. All right. Um, All right. Dude, so, I mean, you, you said you didn't have a great, like, idea for how to fix it. I, this, I'll present to you my, uh, like, far off vision. The Grant Fisher plan, if you will. Likely impossible to implement. Um, the idea would be essentially copy the golf and tennis models and just have majors throughout the year. Um, do away with a lot of the smaller meets and have maybe two or three majors throughout the year. One of them being indoors um, and then the rest being outdoors that uh, are, are backed by World Athletics, like emphasized by sponsors. Um, you know, the reason that World Athletics or the World Championships or Olympics gets, uh, I guess this is like chicken and the egg thing, but one of the reasons why they get the most eyeballs on them at those meets is because all the best athletes run there. That's Um, a great point. Yeah. And, you know, and then you look the other way, like, okay, why do the best athletes run there? Well, it's because there's the most eyeballs and the sponsors care more. So they kind of go hand in hand. But if you created majors, maybe yeah just two or three of them one of them indoor and emphasize them in the contracts emphasize them in prize money and emphasize them in you know maybe if you get uh if you finish top three um points wise over the course of these three majors you get an auto birth to the world championship um you get an auto birth to the olympic Games. so you incentivize it somehow um and maybe even tie it into the marathon majors which already exist um you know, you could have one in Tokyo, you could have uh, one in London, one in Paris, you know, however you wanted and create some sort of um, continuity to the season. I, I think that's what golf and tennis do really well. Those are more individual sports like ours. And, you know, obviously everyone wants to be like the, the individual sports that make more money. But I think that would be a, a step towards it. Um, and I, I think it would be very difficult to implement. Um, but that would be my far off dream. Majors. Uh, that would be awesome whatever global championship yeah so like three majors and then the existing global championship for the year basically yeah we're talking about which would be four which is kind of the amount that tennis and golf have it yeah i mean just preliminarily i'm glad you brought in the world major marathons because like those six i check the results for each of them when they happen and i feel like you always get at least a couple really really good marathoners i mean everyone in the elite field is talented and is can run way faster than i can or whatever but like you get a couple really really good guys and girls in uh in each of those fields and you check the results for that you see who ran fast i feel like that connection of the six majors has allowed each of them to kind of elevate you know or maybe we'd always regard boston and new york or whatever on a certain level but like i check berlin and i check tokyo now which is something i wouldn't have done if, if i feel like those fields didn't exist um and it definitely brings in higher quality fields I guess you talked about you, you freely admitting it's a difficult idea to implement. I wonder where the first hurdle comes with like the chicken and the egg problem for this, right? A big part of the appeal of the majors in golf, at least, which I know more about, for example, is that they've each been around for about a hundred years. I think the PGA championship is the least old and it's like 80 years or whatever. Um, and you know that there, there's obviously a built in, a built in appeal, uh, to those majors just having existed since like the 19th century so yeah um 
that'd be hard. And then you'd also need like a big initial investment of sponsorship dollars in the sport. I think uh, a cultural thing that we can do, and by we, I don't really mean us, but maybe like the TV production, the sponsorship dollars. I, I do feel like there's a big, um, not for the people who dedicated, like who work within the track and field space themselves, but I feel like maybe whether it's marketing execs or like what they try to do to the Diamond League with like trying to eliminate the 10K and maybe the steeple and change the triple jumps and the long jumps to like a one jump off at the, like the sixth jump being the one that determines the, the overall rankings. I do feel like we spent, and by we, I mean, you know, people who are kind of in charge of the decision-making here in track and field have spent way too much time trying to like just kind of refine a model that I don't think is really the problem. I feel like too often as a sport, we're trying to convince people why they should like track and field where I do feel like the stories and the actual stuff on the screen can truly speak for itself if it's marketed in the correct way um, or if it's just shown in the right light, right? Um, you know, I, I feel like obviously golf might have like a higher audience or whatever, but I don't think golf spends a lot of time trying to cross over and be like, hey, this is this is why you should like golf. I think you just kind of, you commit to the fact that people are going to like it and will show it and maybe people will only tune in for the majors and, and for the final round if Tiger Woods is playing, but like they'll do that. I feel like maybe too often we're looking at track and field as, man, we're just going to package it in with the rest of the Olympics because we know people watch the Olympics, but if it's not the Olympics, is anyone even going to watch? And I feel like I think that I think that there's a market for it. You know, I think that we've seen even with this little podcast, this little tiny corner of the running market, like there's, there's definitely a higher amount of people than you would expect interested in, in hearing like your stories, um, hearing from Bowerman athletes, hearing from elite distance runners across the country and applying it to all of track and field. So, yeah, I do feel like maybe getting out of our own way of being like, oh, well, maybe people only care about the world championships and the Olympics because that's just like kind of something that everyone understands and other sports have it i think that implementing something like majors would be sick it's just you're gonna have to get a big some sort of initial investment to to get that off the ground also that noise you hear in the background is everyone going can one of the majors be cross country a cross country <laughs> championship please yeah a cross major would be cool i mean the yeah. i mean that would be similar to kind of the tennis majors where you're playing on different surfaces like yeah. you could have a, a indoor major a I mean, I guess you could put all the events on grass. That'd be kind of crazy. But Wow. Um, I would fundamentally change and, like, and, certain things. Yeah. And then like an outdoor track one. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it would create, I mean, I'm not saying it would solve some of these problems, but a lot of people's complaints about our sport are like, there's no continuity. You don't know when people are going to race. Um, people announce races last minute. And at the races, uh, like, people's incentives are usually to try to get a standard or something. So it's going to be a rabbited race where you only start really, really racing over the last um, maybe third of the race. And it's just whoever's um, with you too. I mean, yeah, like and, it takes out certain styles. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It, it's just different. And you know, what makes the world championships, the Olympic games so compelling is that the best guys in the world are there. And if you create three or four opportunities where the best guys in the world are incentivized to be there and do show up. Yeah, it creates, uh, you know, a storyline that actually could be developed. You could create rivalries. You could create back and forth battles. You could see the dominance of one athlete. Um, you could see, 
you know, an athlete do really well in the early ones and kind of fade off towards the end of the year. Cause it's hard to, to, to be at your, at your best that many times during the year. It's difficult. Um, so I, I think it would be cool. Uh, and like I, I mean, like we both have been saying, this would require an entire overhaul of the system as it currently is. It would also require an overhaul of people's contracts because right now the contracts, uh, incentivize the current system um it would require a ton of funding um so funding would have to be secured before any changes were even implemented but Mm -hmm. um that that'd be uh that's my pie in the sky dream Um, yeah yeah you you get the you get the funding (laughs) and then and then you work with you know shoe companies and being like hey value these meats and because because that really is at the end of the day what it is by and large like I mean, there's, there's, you obviously have aspirations to win a global medal because you want to be the best runner in the world. And I do feel like that's kind of detached from money, but you know, in terms of like what races to race and, and, and building a season, uh, that is going to be based around like, Hey, is, is there, you know, if, if there was a random bonus for, or not random, I guess at all, but if there was a significant bonus for meddling at world indoor, that was like way higher than, uh, any potential American record bonus or anything like that, I feel like we would have seen you guys potentially do that meet. And it's not just because like we're chasing dollar signs or something, but it is more like otherwise it's pretty well known that that world indoor medal is not going to, is not, it's not inherently valued more or at the same level as like, you know, the outdoor championships or, or the Olympics. So yeah, building in that like stipulation of, of here's a reason you should do it. Um, I, I definitely think would contribute to the number one thing, which is, building those storylines, rivalries, and getting people together. Um, it's, it, it, it is representative in, in tennis and in golf, 100%. You know, when you get those, like, Djokovic versus Nadal or, like, Federer versus Djokovic or, or any of those, like, Federer and Nadal combos in, like, semifinals and finals of Grand Slams, like, they don't play each other that often outside of those events because they're not all usually entered in other events. Um, and it's the same thing in golf. Talk about, like, legendary experiences at majors it's because every single best player in the world is there, right? Because you can't not be because the majors are all on this pedestal. So yeah, I hear what you're saying. It's, it's a, it's a super unique idea. Um, I mean, the other big kind of thought would be overhauling the system in dividing up track and field fundamentally into like more specific localized meets and like event groups, um, which, which has its own pros and its own cons. Uh, you know, I know for me growing up in Raleigh, like the Sir Walter Myler, which is just a mile race, is one of kind of a, it's definitely unique in its own way, but is also representative of like kind of a series of mile races that happen in the late summer every year up and down the East Coast. Can, it, it's a fundamentally different product than putting on an entire track meet because it's just like one event, you know, like a women's and a men's heat. Um, it's so really the actual like professional aspect of it is only taking 10 minutes more or less. Um, and it allows you to really build like a whole night around it, have like community centered events, um, like, like community miles and, and that kind of thing and, and draw an audience where, Hey, instead of watching a three hour track meet where you might care a ton about sprints, but we're going to throw like a 5k and a 10k in between the sprint events you care about. Here's like the stuff that you want to watch. And on the one hand, it might shrink your overall like eyeballs audience if it was a television product. But you know, if, if 50% of those eyeballs are like, yeah, I could give a, <laughs> I couldn't care at all about like this distance event or this, this sprinting event, or I, I care a little bit cause it's impressive, but I don't like know anyone or care. And I'm probably not going to be a fan, 
then it might also make sense to kind of separate stuff out. But right now the package track and field is connected in almost like a survival mode where I think you can't even, you can't even think about breaking it up because like who knows which direction things will go and you don't want to like lose any events or any talented athletes in the process because no one ended up wanting to watch like 5Ks on their own independent. So, I mean, obviously the races you've been running, you know, have been largely like just like just distance aspects of meets. And then I also know there's similar stuff for sprinters where like they'll just put on like a 100 or 200 if like Noah Lyles wants to go run something fast early season. So it already kind of exists, but maybe building more community and like, you know, grassroots, like people coming out to watch at these local events would be a, would be a step forward in between there and getting to like a, a global majors scale thing, which would also be awesome. Uh, those are just thoughts, but you know, perhaps a little bit of like a stepping stone between point A to point B. Yeah. And world athletics is trying to do similar things. I know they do like some street events where, you know, there's a shot put in the city square. Um, so people can be up front and, and personal and only there's watch one the shot. pole vault in the mall, right? I feel like yeah. I've pole vault in the somewhere. mall or pole vault in the street. Um, or pole world everywhere. athletics had, um, had a track through the, through the city square for the diamond league final this past year. That's so awesome. they're trying to, to repackage it to, you know, try, like you said, to cater to whatever unique thing that people want to see in track. Um, and I, I think they're good ideas and I think the, the motivation is good. And I think um, I keep hearing more and more that about world athletics kind of making the standards really, really hard to, um, to qualify for these world championships and global championships and emphasize the point system more, your world ranking which would encourage racing head-to-head a lot more at some of these prestigious meets. Um, and I think that's a good idea, too. Um, I, I don't know if they want to go get away from the standard altogether and just go strictly on uh, on points. Um, I mean, that would encourage more head-to-head racing and you know going to the big meets. But, um, yeah, it, it, I you know, everyone has an idea on, like, what's good for the sport, like what how they're going to change the sport and like elevate it. And you see things like, I don't know, cycling, which, uh, you know, has tons of sponsors and is similar to ours and has gone on to like the tour de France level, like, you know, globally watched stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. you see tennis, you know, tennis is a individual sport like ours, but it has elevated to a different level golf, the same, uh, formula one. Um, you know, there's kind of these more niche type sports that have found their way, um, and found their audience in a way that I would say track really hasn't yet. Um, so it'd be cool to see, um, some sort of continuity. I mean, I'm all for a top down structuring of the season where, um, you know, you, you race the best guys more than once a year. Um, because that's, what's compelling. It's those, it's like you said, it's the head to head matchups. It's, mm-hmm. um, you know, you want to see, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example here, but you want to see Borrega race Jakob in a 3K. Yeah. Um, you want to see something like that, like where you have two gold, gold medalists go head-to-head four times a year, and you know that it's going to happen in advance. And they're in the same city every year, and there's prestige to winning this meet in either financially or general clout, or, you know, there's some qualification thing that makes it easier for you to qualify for uh, the global championship that summer or 
there's points that stack uh, across the majors and you can just yeah yeah <laughs> if you can make it that prestigious too i mean at the end yeah. of the day yeah i, like, I mean yeah. what's I, I don't know golf very well what's the one where they give them the green jacket thing and then they walk around with the big green jacket what's that's that the masters that's the masters. masters yeah like something like that where like yeah. there is prestige to having your green jacket for sure you know like um and i know like you said these meets would kind of come out of thin air there wouldn't be the history but i think you could make um make them prestigious you can Uh, you could attack like i will say something about majors is like the british open or i guess the open championship which is the one in, in britain every year like was not the the british open as you see it now annually in golf uh for like the first 30 40 years of its existence right like it was it was that tournament but it it, like like things elevate in prestige so i'm sure there have there are track meets that exist um globally that have been going on for a long time and it wouldn't be too hard to like kind of backload like that history like kind of into the present day and be like this has been happening since the you know since since this time and these runners and all of that as well i don't think that that's impossible i don't think the history even is the most important part though as just like creating a kind of an arena for the best in the world to face each other and like like incentives for people to go and do that um i agree with what you're saying about these more individual sports uh these niche sports kind of finding their audience something that i would posit which i don't know if it's true because i'm only 22 years old but when i think about each of the four sports you mentioned like tennis golf you know f1 cycling at least you know for my generation looking at it there there's been a transcendent star or several stars in each of those sports that has elevated that game into like mainstream notoriety and then i know golf which is probably the one i know the best has like the prize purses have gone up you know a thousand times over compared to like when tiger was was you know first starting out in 1997 compared to today you know winning an event in 1997 that wasn't a major might net you like one hundred fifty thousand dollars two hundred thousand dollars now if you win a normal pga tour event you're making close to two million and that's just a normal one and the majors are higher and i don't think that that's all brought on by a single person but there's something called the tiger bump in golf and i think about like f1 and lewis hamilton winning like seven out of the last nine world championship titles and being kind of that celebrity figure who's at the met gala and doing these things and i i, I also wonder how much of it comes down to like getting that figure and track had theirs in usain bolt and will certainly have another i'm not saying that that door is closed um but i yeah i do think that bolt i do think that i guess what we're seeing is like the pj tour existing as, as a weekly competition with four majors enabled someone like tiger woods to be in the public eye like four five ten times a year whereas bolt operating under the existing model in track and field and i'm kind of falling backwards into this take but what i'm realizing is like yeah if you only have the opportunity to see bolt three times every four years basically at the global championships and you kind of attach him to the olympics and it's like oh he's like you know it's like gymnastics and and swimming and usain bolt and track it's like like he doesn't stand alone um and and you don't see him enough to be like yeah, I'm really going to follow track and field religiously because Bolt's in it, you know? I'm going to everyone's going to watch the Olympics, but everyone's going to watch the Olympics anyway. So, I definitely think that getting that kind of baseline, like changing that structure would enable for that celebrity to really take off and really elevate a sport. Also with F1, uh, a big part of its like 
reason for just blowing up i feel like the last couple of years in addition to the netflix series which would be sick and and we could talk about that about about that is also tremendous backing from some not so good places uh with with money like like, like saudi arabia fair, uh, fair yeah. and, and and honestly that's actually a big topic in golf right now that golf might have some sort of breakaway league also sponsored by like the saudi arabian government and so there's there's certainly ways to do this with clean money but you know i don't even think track and field is close to I guess good or bad to even being on the radar of, of something that you would want to take over in that space. But, you know, there's also some effects that come with, with that kind of influence or money or, or, or popularity as well as a sport. So yeah, just a lot of things to think about. Um, certainly, you know, I mean, certainly at a grassroots level, stuff like new generation, like with Ben Crawford, what he's doing with Cooper and Cole and, you know, getting people interested in the sport um, can't hurt. And is, is definitely a different thing from uh creating majors and creating races but can still bring eyeballs in like i watch f1 now because of that netflix show and uh i, I feel like i wouldn't otherwise so I, I do feel like it there could be primers that get people invested that aren't just majors as well um in this hypothetical world yeah man i, I agree with you um i mean the, the thing uh, i see the way that running and track and field has gone sim it's kind of it's a level above swimming, but it's kind of similar to swimming. Like you have swimmers Michael are Phelps. just going to eat up our mentions after that one. <laughs> yeah, you you have Michael Phelps, who is the global transcendent star, but people only watch him during the Olympics, which is mm-hmm. every four years. Like the diehard swimming fans, of course, watch him more often than that, but people really only pay attention once every four years. You had Ryan Lochte, somewhat, you know, one, you know, again once every four years. You have, uh, you know. Usain Bolt, and maybe people would pay attention during the World Championship, like your average Joe. But really, it was the Olympics. Like that's when people watch once every four years, and so you can't become transcendent like in the same way that other sports where you see someone four or five times a year uh, can. Like, and that transcendence elevates sponsorship dollars. Like that—that's the point. It's not just about like giving someone that platform. It's—it's like Tiger or Serena, like being that person. Or Lance Armstrong in cycling, that was the other, like, like, like that elevates the entire sport because everyone wants yeah. to put, like, their sponsorship on that person's shirt. And by extension, the person in third or the person in the final group with them or playing them, like, that sponsorship means a lot more and all of a sudden you have a ton. But I don't mean to interrupt, but just that's why that's important. Yeah, and, I, you know, I would say we, we have the stars currently for that. We do. We have Mondo who, you know, just broke his own world record for like the 10th time. Like he's the best person ever to set foot in the world to like launch himself into the air with a stick. Like (laughs) he, he is dominant and is so, so good. You have Grant Holloway who hasn't lost like a 60 meter hurdle race in like since he was in high school. You have Ryan Krauser who up until this past weekend uh, has won pretty much every competition that he set foot in for the past like four years. Like we have the stars, you know, you have Jakob Ingebrigtsen who, uh, you know, was this child prodigy that, you know, came onto the scene at 17 years old and started beating up on seasoned pros and now has a global medal. Um, you have, you know, you have, you have, yeah, yeah, I won't put myself in American running, (laughs) the future of American, Uh, American fishery. We, we have stars, like, you have you have Aji Wilson, that'd be a great story, like, you know, so yeah. many silver and bronzes, and now has a gold. That's um, awesome. You know, you have, 
you have these storylines, you have these stars that have the potential to, I, I mean, I guess I'm biased because I enjoy the sport and the intricacies of it. But yeah. I feel like your average Joe, like, if they can understand, like, the technicalities involved in Formula One, which there are thousands of, like, they can understand track and field. And, like, it would be so cool to, you know, have random people know about, you know, some matchup that's coming up between, uh, I don't know, Purrier and Monson in the women's 3K. Like, those are a bit more yeah. niche things that only track and field fans might know, but... You know, I feel like track is a compelling sport. I really do. And uh, I think given the right uh, structure, it, it could really flourish. <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm getting so yeah. passionate about this, but I, I, know I feel why. like this, sport this is, this has is the so you... much potential, man. Yeah, yeah, there's potential and this is what you're professional at and you'd love to see it succeed. I also, so with regards to like the average Joe understanding the intricacies of F1, I don't think that's the case at all. Like, I just think it's like, man, cargo fast. Like that's awesome. Like <laughs> Lewis Hamilton versus Max Verstappen. Like, like I'm going to watch and like, I don't really, you know, the broadcast should do a good job of being like, and this is, you know, this is the, uh, the DRS zone. And this is, he's in the second of him on this corner. So he has like extra boost down the straightaway and he'll need to make a pit stop. But like, you don't have to listen to any of that stuff. Like you can just like watch the cars go and be like, Oh, I hope this person wins. And I feel like similarly for track and field, like, Oh man, Ryan Krauser throws ball so freaking far and ball is heavy. It's like that can, you know, that that's enough for like, you know, these, these guys are running this three K really freaking fast. Like, look at them, like, I feel like that's enough too, right? Like fans, because I, you don't, you're not going to create this this gigantic legion of loyal fans who understand like training logs and and sit and kick races versus like all out affairs and you know people. Like, but you could still get these fans who like like I'll watch Wimbledon like the finals. I don't know shit about like you know like people's games like ground game versus like you know a serve and volley type thing. Like I don't I don't know like what grass does compared to like clay or hardcore, I just, I'm watching the tennis and it's, and it's pretty and it's like super impressive. And that, like, that's, that's kind of how you get the eyeballs on it. So I feel like, yeah, packaging something into that space can work, but it's not even dependent on everyone knowing like 30 people deep, like the roster track and field. It's like letting stars carry you through by having opportunities for stars to, to exist that aren't, you know, and like shout out to like the sound running 10 K, but that aren't, you know, cause they're filling a void right now. But stuff that isn't simply like a time trial or like, you know, a team going down to sea level and, and, and running a meet and then like that's it. Like getting competition or getting as many people as possible to run those rabbit races then or whatever it needs to be. Like those types of things, um, like that feels like the closest thing to a solution as we await global majors in track and field, which would be which would be sick. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have any other other thoughts on it. No, no, that's all I got on my far off dream. But maybe Can I add one maybe thing? someday. Can I add yeah. one thing? This is a tangent, but when you mentioned Mondo, I thought about it. ESPN like a month ago tweeted like this video of like a high schooler pole vaulting that was like pretty cool because it was I don't know if you saw this, it was like slow motion. I saw it, yeah. Yeah, it was like slow motion when he bends like the stick and goes up and then like everyone in the comments and quote tweeting him, I mean you know what I'm gonna say. Everyone's like that's not Mondo Duplantis. Like, you think that's impressive? Like, Mondo can pull vault, like, eight feet higher than that. It's And, like, he can, and I don't. I mean, look, you know, and, and I wish ESPN would cover it, too, but it's it's 
it's kind of similar to what we were saying at the very beginning of like incentives to cover it. And it's like, I don't know. I don't want to be that guy who's like, oh, just be happy with what we have. But I do think like if ESPN ever dips their toe in like tweeting about track and field, like they don't know. Sh- I mean, they don't know anything like, like it's like, like just appreciate the fact that, you know, 10 million more people are exposed to what pole vault is at least. Um, and certainly we can try to educate ESPN or, or be like, hey, if you think this is cool, like go watch the Diamond League on NBC, you know, or or, or watch World Indoor um, this past weekend or something. But it just being like, don't tweet this, like, because Mondo is better. Only tweet videos of him. It's like, what do we? I don't know. Like, we also kind of shoot ourselves in the foot, I think, with a little bit of gatekeeping, and not just in that respect, right? But in respect of like, oh, you think this person ran fast? Well, this person ran this much faster. So really, like, your person sucks. And it's like, I I don't know, like. There's there's room enough where we don't have to. I mean, at least treating it like there's room enough, and we don't all have to fight over the table scraps of the non-Olympic years, could could serve a long way at least in in opening the door up to people who wouldn't otherwise care about track and field. You know, or at least promoting things that look cool and are cool, and like, who cares if it's not Olympic level? It's it's whatever gets eyeballs on what the sport is. Um, I also think lastly is it's unique because. So many people ran cross country or participated in track and field, I feel like, in middle school, in high school, that kind of thing. So you have a baseline understanding that truly doesn't even exist in a sport like golf or a sport like cycling, I think. Like, there's way more people, at least in the United States, who have, like, ran track, you know, or participated in track and field in some form than probably golfed or or cycled um, or or probably tennis as well in their life. And I do think there's an opportunity there. in marketing, not to just like, just that, that people are aware of what it is and, and to an extent how hard it is. Maybe not at like your level, but like that running is hard or, or throwing is hard. And, and I think that, that that's a unique thing too, that we can kind of, I mean, if I was a marketing exec or if I was in charge of this stuff, I would try to pull on as much as I could. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, I think, I think cross country is the highest partici- participation sport uh, for high schoolers in the U.S. Like they're, you know, people do it. Uh, and somewhere along the way, like they don't pay attention to the pros as much. You kind of, I feel like have a flip situation in like, uh, like football where, you know, most of the people watching football aren't like in a rec league or in an adult (laughs) league and actually play football. Like, uh, whereas most of the people that run or watch track and field, like either have a history in the sport or do it, um, so many people go out for runs, like have running shoes. Like I don't know for a fact, but I would guess that most of Nike's running shoes they sell are to more recreational runners than people like, you know, working out and, and trying to get performance footwear. It'd be more, you know, selling a Pegasus to someone that races or doesn't, doesn't even race. Maybe just, you know, runs maybe two, three times a week cause they like it and it feels good. Um, you know, there, there's, it's a high participation sport as a whole um probably less so on like the throws or jump size side but just the general you know running like a lot of people go out for runs and i would say probably a small percentage of the people that go out for runs pay attention to the diamond league uh or very small you know (laughs) pay attention i mean the largest percentage is probably the olympic games Mm -hmm. um and you know that's the pinnacle of our sport and I feel like always should be regardless of, you know, how, how the, the structure of the sport changes, but, yeah. um, it's just different. 
Yeah, I mean, I think as many opportunities as, as you can get for elite athletes to race each other um, and compete against each other uh, and, like, get the actual best in the world in the room against each other, like, that's what you should be trying to do in the sport. Um, yep. And I, I hear what you're saying about uh, world athletics and maybe some of the adjustments that they're making to the point system, uh, which could be beneficial. I had a thought, a question for you as we wrap it up, but I meant to ask yep. it a while ago when you were talking about points. Because you'd mentioned before that you think that the world world standards are about to get much more difficult, um, potentially, and shrink the fields and rely on the point system. Points are, this is a confusing topic for already being an hour long into a podcast, but points are kind of divvied up based on like the time you run at a meet and also the quality of the field there, right? Based on like people's rankings and like their existence within a already existing chart. Like meets are classified as like different levels and that determines how many points you get based on the place you finish in. Is that like the loosest, like the most general understanding of like how points are kind of doled out? Yeah, it's a bit of a confusing system, but yeah, I guess it can be boiled down to um, you race at some meet and you run whatever time you, you run. And based on what time you run, you get a certain number of base points for that time. And then based on a multitude of factors, you get a certain number of like place points which are added to your time points for your overall points. And the things that factor into that are classification of meat. Um, so the very best meats in the world, you get more points for first place, uh, or I guess first through eighth, than you would for first through eighth in like uh, your backyard, uh, meet, you know, with, with just people in your county or whatever. Um, so... Uh, for example, the Olympic Games, I think if you win the Olympic Games, you get an extra 250 uh, bonus points, um, place points to whatever your raw time score is. And then depending on the event, you kind of average your top three best performances points wise and whatever number that becomes, uh, that's how they determine world rankings. Um, okay. So sometimes the person that wins the gold medal won't be rank number one in the world by the end of the year uh just because you have these points okay and do those, do those points add up to like the diamond league rankings at the end of the year or is it just like qualifications for meets because as long as in that if it's the latter and you're like in the top whatever then you're gonna get into like every olympics or, or meet that you that you need to right yeah yeah so the standard is just a more guaranteed thing like it's nice walking into a u.s championship with the standard in your pocket so that you can be like, okay, all I have to do is finish top three. Uh, and then if I finish top three, I'll make the team. Whereas with the points and the ranking, you're like, you know, I could finish third, but the fourth place guy could get like a decent amount of points here. And then someone on the other side of the world could get a certain number of points that bounce me out of the top 40. Um, so it's kind of convoluted. Like it's, it's just less of a guaranteed thing. So, I, I mean, what I keep hearing is that basically the men's standard in the thir in the 5K will be moved to about 13 flat or so, uh, and in the 10K moved to more like 27 flat-ish is what uh, I'm hearing, potentially being tossed around uh, or being voted on soon, um, in which case very few people would, would qualify on time. And most people would qualify on world ranking, um, which I think ultimately is the goal of what World Athletics is trying to do, just promote head-to-head -head racing 
more so than, you know, have someone time trial a sub 27 race and then not race again for the rest of the year. So this brings up the question, kind of the reason I wanted to define what points were is, do you not think that that system would be really detrimental or harmful to runners just starting out or who aren't established or who aren't able to get diamond league invites like most americans are until you're like top tier um but you know have the ability to maybe go around like 13 10 right now or, or hit that standard but you know because they lack a global medal or a global top five or, or some of those like things that get you into the top piece of diamond league meets can't get in um like it is a point system going to be really a hindrance if the standard gets moved to a ridiculously low number and only like one or two americans could even touch it is the point system going to be a hindrance to kind of young talent globally who starting off, like you're not getting into a diamond league meet for your first like year as a pro probably, unless you've already meddled at, at worlds or something. Um, I, does that not seem like it? I mean, that, I guess maybe there's safeguards to that, but that, that would be my initial thought would be that that'd be really tough to um, come out and like, cause you get less points for, for more like domestic meets or meets that aren't that top tier, like you said. Yeah, so what I, I you have to think about incentives again. So what it, what would that system do? Uh, essentially, what it would be would be okay. There'd be a, a small group of people that could still hit the standard and would do that, and then there'd be a set of people that are really really good but are maybe just slightly off the standard. They would be incentivized to race a few times against really good people um, to get enough points because you'll get more points at, at the bigger meets where there's better people. Um, and they would be able to get into those meets. There'd be the next tier of people where they aren't good enough to get in the meets with the, the tier above. So they have to race more frequently at medium tier meets where they get slightly less points, but because of that, they have to race more frequently. And then you'd have the tier below that more like people fresh out of college where you can't even get into the medium tier meets. So you have to race a ton of times at the low tier meets uh, to try to rack up points. So it changes the incentive structure. Um, I mean, we've been going at it for a while here on, on this episode, but you could probably dissect that on whether you think that's a good outcome or a bad outcome um, where the, the top people, you know, would be incentivized to race the least against the best competition. And then the people more at the bottom would be incentivized to race a ton against lower competition um when they really need to be like grinding and, and training yeah and, so it you know like kind of your first year like getting that base work yeah in a lot it, of it changes the whole incentive structure so um whether you think that's good or bad uh, i feel like up up to you um and i mean who knows maybe they'll do away with the uh the standard altogether and then uh, it'll all be be point based world ranking based um you never know um could uh things could could shake up over the next few years but um yeah i mean each change that happens all of the athletes will look at those changes and say is doing this worth it for me or like what like what is best for me and each athlete will individually do that with their coach and i think world athletics goal is that everyone will come to the conclusion that essentially majors will be created i feel like is their goal like 
there, there will be several meets a year where all the best people in the world are at because they need the points and want to race and there's incentives to do it. Um, which is kind of where my majors idea, uh, I mean, I guess it's not my original idea, but I feel like that's where it, it would thrive. Like just create the structure. If you want people to race more, if you want the top people to race more, then create avenues for that to happen and incentivize it. So each person optimizing for themselves chooses to go there and, and do it. Um, yeah. So who knows? Maybe, maybe some big, big like shakeup soon. I like it. No, I mean, I feel like wherever the chips fall, at least, yeah, if it's something that can create more rev for, revenue for the sport or more eyeballs on it, um, it'd be more exciting to watch, certainly, outside of the Olympics, which are already something that we're all going to tune into. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see at least where that goes, or at least talk about it more yeah. with you um, in future weeks. Hopefully, y'all enjoyed us going deep on, on that kind of front. I, I know it might be a little bit of a departure from the normal like training weeks, but... It's cool to hear all your thoughts, Grant, on uh, on what the system could be. Uh, now we'll just have to go about applying it somehow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which, it, which might be a bit If funny. you have any counter-arguments against the uh, the majors idea, I'd love to hear them. Um, slide in the old podcast yeah, DMs. Comment below, email yeah, yeah. us, DM um, us. There's a million yeah. ways to I'm sure there's several point. flaws in it that I'm overlooking, uh, so feel free to point them out. But yeah, it, <laughs> when I was talking with Connor before this episode, uh, this was not where we thought we would spend the most time, but sometimes these things kind of or- organically happen. So, um, yeah, I hope it, hope it wasn't too much of a ramble or, or too, uh, too specific for more of the casual listener, but, um, I enjoyed talking with, with you about it. I enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the half step pod. We will catch you guys next time. Cheers. Yeah. See you guys.